Adrian, we're about to go into a meeting with Gabrielle Glaister, and I'm just going to remind you of her credits. She's been in Emmerdale, Coronation Street, Doctors, Midsummer Murders, Upstart Crow, Sherlock, Casualty, Family Affairs, Brookside, and she was Bob in Blackadder. Adrian, what have you been in? Well, I was a minor character in the York University Radio Club production of uh, The Block. Right. So show some respect and don't mess this meeting up. All right. What meeting? Is it, is it now? It's now. And we've, we, we're going in right now. We've got to be on our game. Okay. No silliness. Understood. Wait. I forgot my shoes. You've discovered Big Meeting. Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to share our latest ideas with you. I was actually going to say, before we start, I'm just going to apologise for Pete's choice of hat. Pete, I think that's a little bit distracting, if I'm completely honest, for this meeting. Do you think there are too many mirrors on it? Maybe one too many. So, Gabrielle, how are you? And thank you again for agreeing to this meeting. Thank you. Thank you very much. And my agent said it was very exciting, some of the ideas. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This could be a great thing for me. And I like the hat. And, you know, I mean, so far we haven't... We haven't sold any ideas, um, but it could have been because of the weather. It could have been because we served the wrong kind of coffee in the meeting. Probably something like that more than the ideas themselves, I reckon. So uh, we're really hopeful this time. We really want to. We really want to get you on board. So um, let's kick off with the first idea and, and see what you think. Okay, I'm really looking forward to it. On you go, lads. Okay, here's the first pitch. Here we go. The year is 1897. An opera singer at the Vienna State Opera is actually an assassin. She is tasked with taking out high-profile targets using the power of her voice during performances. She can make specific targeted sound in amongst the singing, which causes instant death in whichever individual she aims it at. However, on the day of the big opera spectacular, where she has her toughest challenge yet, she loses her voice. Can her understudy played by Gabrielle Glaister, learn the technique within just a few hours and take on the mantle of opera assassin. What, what, what's your gut reaction? Well, how, so you have to be able to sing well. I can sing all right. What I'm thinking is if if she's killing people with certain sounds, would it be like the noises that the mermaid makes in Splash? You know? Oh, I like that. When when you first said it, Adrian, I imagined what you were meaning was that she would make the noises of murder weapons, such as a, a gun or a, or a or a very heavy hammer, and that would somehow kill them. But actually, what Gabrielle's saying makes a lot more sense than what I'm what I have in my head. This is why we have professionals. Or just the very, very, very high notes. The high notes they you can shatter glass and and crystal and things, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Or. The human body, perhaps. And the thing is, I think the reason it's such a, a, a good technique for assassination is it's it's untraceable because no one would ever suspect the opera singer on stage. So really, I think this is a real-time film based in the two hours before the, the curtain goes up in which your character would have to learn this special technique from the uh, opera assassin and become the new opera assassin just in time for the big assassination. Did you have an opera in mind? that they were singing we thought that that might be best left to you to choose your favorite opera because we can be flexible on that yeah does it have to be grand opera i'm quite partial to a bit of 
you know, Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, lovely. A bit, bit of Iolanthe. Yeah, oh, a bit of Iolanthe, yes. Do, 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 do. That's not the right one, but anyway, yeah. Fine. Well, I mean, I think the singing would really be the, the core of this, and we know that you obviously you can sing very well, so I think that bit would be easy. The only thing that might be difficult would be choosing someone who would be your counterpart in this film, because you'd be learning from the original opera assassin. You'd be learning the techniques, and I wonder if there's anyone who we can think of who, who you'd really bounce well off in that kind of situation. Original idea was Oprah Winfrey, but we can we can throw this around a bit more. That's kind of random, isn't it? Oprah Winfrey, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's fine. Is she known for her singing? Um, big voice. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Meghan Markle. Oh. Even better. Do you think you'd work well with Meghan Markle? Oh, oh I, I think so, yeah. Though she might want the parts to be reversed obviously because maybe the part of somebody who's effectively their main thing is that they've lost their voice isn't necessarily the greatest part is it because presumably you don't get much to say because you've lost your voice now that is an interesting question and adrian i'd like you to as the as the writer of this idea explain how Meghan markle would demonstrate the techniques to Gabrielle. Oh, without a voice. Without a voice. Would she use uh, kind of cue cards or a blackboard or? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> if she was writing little notes to Gabrielle's character, then it would be slightly odd camera angles you'd have to employ to be able to see that. So I think it's a variety of different ways she communicates. Uh, sometimes she's writing it on a little piece of paper and she hands it to Gabrielle and the camera sort of follows it so you can read it quickly before it gets to Gabrielle. Other times, perhaps she's uh, she's uh, using a um, a large magnetic board with uh, magnets on it to show the different sound waves and how they'll move throughout the room. Do you not think that shooting somebody writing little notes is, I don't know, possibly a bit boring? Mm, I don't know. I think Megan could pull that off, to be honest. Let's move on to the second pitch and see and see where we go there. Um, okay, so this is called Spring Watch, the movie. This is a dramatization of the of the uh, BBC show Spring Watch. The squirrels and owls are under siege from the herons and coots. Chris Packham has been encased in a giant chrysalis. Only Michaela Strachan and her hedgehog army can save the day. All animal voices performed by Gabrielle Glaister. Well, I'm not Michaela Strachan. Is Michaela Strachan Michaela Strachan? Michaela Strachan is Michaela Strachan, but all of the animals who are in this uh, war, in this uh, wildlife war, are they all have voices and they're all talking to each other and they're all forming plots and trying to save Chris Packham. And we thought that maybe you could do all of the voices and do different types of accent and different kind of, um, you know, different personalities for all of the different animals. How many animals are there? Well, I would say in the squirrel army, I mean, the squirrel army itself would have at least 200 squirrels. And then the <laughs> owls are sort of formed into squadrons of 12. So towards 12 times three, so let's say 36 owls and 200 squirrels on one side. So we would need a, a different voice for each one of those animals, a different sort of either regional accent or kind of intonation or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I do do a lot of voice work. I, I, that's a lot of voices. Um, are there that many different regional accents that exist? Um, Good question. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't do a lot of this stuff at drama school, but would I have to go and study hedgehog? What is it? Hedgehogs and owls? Hedgehogs, owls, squirrels, herons. I thought owls just basically went twit-woo, don't they? Well, in, in, their, in, in what? to our ear, they do. 
but to a to in the owl language they're having deep strategic conversations about the uh, about the animal war outflank the enemy yeah um would you be prepared to live among owls for a couple of months just to really get to grips with uh, their lifestyles I live very near London Zoo, so I mean, I could commute. Or, mm. I mean, I could commute daily t- to the zoo. That works. Um, I think they've got owls. I don't think they have hedgehogs. They're, there's herons. There. What sound do hedgehogs make? They, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a kind of a snuffle, a kind of um, like a... Like oh, they do kind. snuffling. They do snuffling up to sources of milk. I don't know how you do that in a regional accent. I was going to say it's that combined with... I'm assuming, Pete, you were thinking they actually would speak English as well. Is that right? So it would sort of be a combination of snuffling. Yes, a bit like in Peppa Pig, where she talks and then she does a little snort. So you would do the snuffling, but you would also do a little kind of um, tally ho. Let's go and uh, let's go and rough up those herons over there, old chap. That kind of that kind of thing. So like get Chris Packham. Oh, oh, get Chris Packham. That's it. That's perfect. Perfect. Now, um, would, would, uh, herons. I cast herons as the um, antagonist in this uh, in this film. What would you say is the most evil-looking uh, British wildlife? Oh, just wildlife. Yeah, bad, I mean, I think that the wildlife. most evil bad wildlife. I think herons look kind of evil. I think they they look very evil. They look kind of dangerous. You know what I mean? I saw a heron eat a baby duck once. What? <laughs> Did you really? Yes, yes. My my uh, wife and I were overlooking a lake and we saw on a bridge and we saw um, a family of ducks and it was very cute and lovely. And then suddenly a heron swept down, grabbed a baby duck, spun it up in the air and caught it in its mouth and flew off. It was horrible. I was sitting on my roof terrace not long ago and I can't remember what the bloody bird was. And there was a little baby bird. And I actually said to Simon, look at the little baby bird sitting on the, it was on the television aerial. And suddenly within seconds, this bird just swooped and just grabbed it. Uh. But it wasn't, I don't know what that, might have been a seagull. Seagull's bad. Oh, seagulls are horrible. Okay, maybe Mm. we'll change the, maybe we'll the herons to seagulls and just have it as a, as a, uh, you know, the seagulls are coming and just grabbing anything. They just don't even care. They'll take chips, they'll take, Oh, animals, they'll, take they'll, take chips, they'll take ice creams. They'll take yeah. yeah, they're horrible, horrible, horrible. Scumbags. Yeah, but they're really bloody noisy. What? Yeah, that's it. Oh, oh, horrible. Ah, ah. I don't know that that's right, but anyway. Ah, ah, I hate Chris Packham. Ah. This is it. Perfect. It's writing itself. It's it's almost like um, it's almost like this is one of those films that you say I can't believe this hasn't been made already. <laughs> Interesting that there was so much voice work mentioned in that pitch, because actually my next pitch will also involve some quite advanced voice work. This one is called Columbo, The Next Generation. So we all love uh, murder mysteries and whodunits, and you've been in some of the biggest shows of that genre on TV before, but it's time to reinvent once again for a new generation. One of my favorite things about Columbo is always that you and other shows, but especially Columbo, you find out what happened right at the beginning. You see the murder happen. You see how they did it. And then the rest of the episode is about watching Columbo figure it out. So you already know who did it. It's not about who did it. Yeah. But I thought, let's take that to the next level. So what if the start of the episode was the end when Columbo figures it out, but the whole episode is then played out in reverse? Now, not like the film Memento, which is scene by scene in reverse, but actually in reverse. So it's a whole new way for the audience to experience the detective's technique and the thrill of the mystery 
not unraveling, but raveling. So you'd film everything backwards, basically. Do you mean like walking backwards and things? Well, um, yes, I do. Uh, everything. So drinking, I... drinking backwards, yes. Uh, yeah. mo most importantly, in order for this to work, you would have to... No, I've got this wrong. I was going to say you'd have to speak backwards, but no, you wouldn't. You'd speak normally, but you'd move backwards. That's that's it. That's right. Yes, everything backwards except speech. Adrian, are, are you are you okay? Are you feeling okay? I have to say, even even for our pitches, this one is this is quite wild. So walking backwards will always be like a moonwalk, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I think I think you've identified one of the key problems already, which is drinking backwards. I can't actually get my head around it. You know those glasses that are the plastic cups that kids have sometimes with sort of yeah. floaty things in the side that look like you're drinking. Yeah. I think we could use yeah. those. So you'd sort of just go like this and it would look like it was coming back out. You mentioned things like drinking backwards. Have you often in your career been asked, directed to drink a full glass of water as part of a scene? <laughs> because I'm not sure it's as worrying <laughs> a problem. Oh, I see. You don't think it's that pertinent. But no, no, no. Because you're always, you're all those conversations that you have in films and things where you're, you know, drinking a little cocktail and putting it down and then and then picking it up and not actually quite, ah, they usually don't actually drink it, do they, in films? They just pick it up and put it down a lot. Yeah. What, do you know what? I, you know what? It drives me mad when in films and TV shows, people go into a cafe and sit down and order food and the food comes and they're having their conversation. And obviously the scene is only two minutes long. And then they stand up and leave or one of them leaves and they leave their food on the table. Yeah, I can't I can't handle it. There's a brilliant guy on Twitter called Johnny Burkold. I think his name is he's American. And he does. He does short things about like how they drink in movies, how people have breakfast in movies. You should look him up. He's brilliant. He just, they're, they're really short and they're absolutely brilliant. That sounds great. I think there are there are um, several examples I can think of in films. I think I watched a YouTube video once of showing the levels of drinks going up and down and things throughout the scene for obvious reasons. But imagine that if you're also doing it backwards. So it's a real, real challenge. If you're you know having a, a cocktail, the ice will have to... Because normally the worry is the ice would melt. Yeah, right? so you'd have Too to be fast. surreptitiously shoving more in. Uh, probably the actor would have to be doing it. I, I think I so. I think so. Unless have somebody from props, you just saw the hand coming in and shoving a bit of ice in occasionally. I think so. We'd have a we'd have a like a a gradation of uh, different ice buckets, like slightly more melted, slightly less melted. We need a number seven and a number eight, quick. Yeah, I think the walking backwards is a challenge. Running backwards very difficult because there are going to be several running Actually, scenes. And also reversing everywhere if you're in a car. I mean, my reversing's all right, but not well, that I great. I mean, reversing in a car, absolutely. But also there's actually quite an important aeroplane scene. So we'd have to land the aeroplane backwards as well. So there's quite a lot to take on. But, of course, you would play Columbo, a new Columbo. And what about coat-wise? Is there still a Mac? I'd, there'd have to be a Mac. I think the opportunity here for you would maybe be to add your own little personal spin on that Mac. I know what I could have. I could have one of those see-through Macs. You remember, like your grandmother used yes. to wear? And then underneath, mm, yes. like banging outfits. So she could change outfit all the time and you'd see it all through the Mac. I love that idea. So that sounds like a, like a well, a maybe anyway, or, or maybe even a yes. A maybe. I mean, I'd have to have a you know physical coach to do all the backward stuff adrian i think i'm going to ask you to go and have a little lie down 
uh, because that was a that was quite an intense idea. And we'll move on to the next pitch. Thank you. I'll sit this one out. Maybe just have a little drink of water. Okay. Forwards. Do I detect a hint of murder? Gabrielle Glaister and Enya are a pair of glamorous and uproarious private detectives in 80s Paris. They don't need the money as they are fabulously wealthy and only take on cases from handsome gentlemen. When Florence Welch goes on a murder spree, the detective duo aren't interested and the local police force must seek out a man handsome enough to pique their interest and take on the case. Lavish production full of diamonds, indulgent musical interludes, dry ice and exquisite patisserie. Why aren't they interested when Florence Welsh goes on a murder spree? Because actually, so this is a bit of a, this is one of these uh, character duos where their motivations are quite kind of skewed. And actually, they don't care about murder. They don't care about the money. They don't care about the glory. All they care about is when a kind of a, like a handsome gentleman client comes to uh, to their office and says, I need help. And then they then they go for it. Then they jump on it. But th- the police force are infuriated because this is a sort of a dangerous thing that's happening and the best detectives in the city just do not care i'm very 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 keen on dry ice oh wow wow of all the bits of that pitch the dry ice is the one that stood out that's fantastic um yeah i I see lots of scenes where there's just you know the the, this duo uh it's kind of like their entrance you know when they when they enter in the room it's just so glamorous the dry ice just dry icy yeah yes yeah what's enya's song what's enya's what's that famous song she's famous for orinoco <laughs> flow is quite famous um, yeah and the orinoco flow where is she anyway just now enya i don't mean at this moment but where is she i i actually ha- happened to see something about that recently which is that apparently she lives in a castle in scotland with 15 cats and uh you know mil- millions and millions of pounds and just, right. just hangs out and she definitely is on board for this, is she? She wants to leave the cats in the castle in the millions of pounds? Well, I had a sort of meditative uh, seance where I entered a kind of a trance state and tried to channel her energy. And mm. she said through me, yes, this is the kind of movie that I would act in as my debut movie. Right. Can, can she act? Do you know? I think she can. Well, she's been in music videos. Yeah. I'm on her Twitter right now. Oh, yeah. However, it doesn't really appear to be run by her, but probably more by her record company. So it's not very helpful. <laughs> well, she's not dead. Not dead. Oh, oh, gosh, no. And as a starting point for hiring actors, I think that's a strong one. What do you think about these kind of uh, glamorous kind of female characters where they're they're in charge, they're the boss, they're kind of, they do whatever they want. Is it just and... like Killing Eve, really? Oh, it's a bit like Killing Eve, except you kind of flip the flip the Eve, ca- uh, sorry, what's her name? You what's know, the, the, the murderer character, the vi- villain. Villanelle. Whatever, Villanelle. So you flip the Villanelle character, she becomes the good character, but she's really hard to, f- she can't focus her. You can't get her to do the things she's supposed to do because she's a... Off is that me? And that would be that would be you and Enya. So you and Enya is a kind of a duo. Same. I'm not. You're, do you know? I'm, mm. Can I say something? I don't know. I'm more of a savoury person than a sweet person. Oh gosh! I mean that 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 properly dismantles this idea, doesn't it? I mean twiglets, twiglets, or something like that, more than the patisserie. Okay, I have an idea. 
Have you ever watched those Heston Blumenthal TV shows where he makes savoury dishes that look like dessert? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, what if we did yeah. that for you? And in the patisserie scenes, we made a kind of a, a hot dog that looked a lot like a uh, chocolate eclair. That's clever. That's clever. But would we need, we'd surely need maybe Heston himself on board, actually, to promote his creations. His things that look like other things. So this would be Heston Blumenthal's Do I Detect a Hint of Murder? Yes. It could be played in all his restaurants. The nation's two favourite things, food and murder, put into one concept. So, this next pitch. Bob. Mm -hmm. Battle through time. Bob, or Kate from Blackadder, has already appeared in multiple time periods, of course. Now, a descendant of hers lives in a castle in future Hawaii and comes under unexpected ion attack from a seemingly evil version of Lord Percy from the even more distant future. In a final desperate plan to save her secret blueprints, Bob enters a time pyramid and visits 15 other Bobs throughout history. Everything from 60s London to the Wild West, from the English Civil War to prehistoric times. All the Bobs together are each able to give Bob a small but vital piece of information about the weaknesses of Percy in their time frame. And using all of this information together, our Bob returns to her original time period and defeats Lord Percy. But in a big twist at the end, it's revealed that the blueprints Percy was trying to destroy are actually evil blueprints and plans to attempt to reset history and take over the world. So Bob was the villain all along. She winks at the camera and the credits roll. Quite a lot to unravel there. Quite a, quite a lot to unravel. Um, I like Hawaii. Hawaii's great. What's an ion attack? Ion attack is a um, uh, an idea that I had that doesn't really <laughs> exist yet, but would be some sort of giant laser sky-based assault. Can I just say, I am very impressed that through that entire pitch, you recalled that detail from in amongst <laughs> all of the other stuff that was mentioned there, because that's, that's quite impressive. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I got a bit lost towards the end, to be honest, except she was a baddie. I very like, I think, I actually think it's quite a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of different bobs and different costumes, <laughs> dressing up as different things. That's the thing. And obviously, each of those, I mean, even the, just the ones I mentioned, Wild West, prehistoric times. I mean, obviously, the, the, as we know, the, the thing about the character of Bob is a girl dressing up as a boy. And so in each of those time periods, we'd have a reason why she has uh, pretended to be a man, uh, which I think would be fascinating across 15 different time zones. And obviously, you play all of them, of course. Yeah. So it would actually only be... Well, it'd be quite most of the time it would be you talking to yourself, but a completely different version of yourself in a completely different time period, which I think would be an interesting challenge as an actor. Yeah, you have very small, small cast films, don't you, guys, on the whole? Keeping the budgets down. Sort of one-man shows, really? Um, I don't know. Would Lord Percy be actually in it? Very much so. Have you asked Tim McInerney? Is he... Is he uh, we... Again, we sent an email, not sure if it was, we sort of guessed what his email address might be and, <laughs> and gave it a try. But we thought with you on board, we might have a better chance. Well, we would definitely have a better chance, let's be honest. Yeah, I'd ask him. Tim, there's a film starring me about me 
you've got a couple of lines at the end. Uh, uh, and one at the beginning. So he'd go for that. In Hawaii. Are there any time periods that you've wanted to uh, you've wanted to act in? Or biblical. Oh, biblical. yeah. Absolutely. Biblical Bob. I don't know whether Bob, whether there's a, a biblical version of the word Bob that could be used because it doesn't sound... Babijah. Babijah or Bobius. Babijah, like Elijah, but Bobijah. That's brilliant. And uh, then for the prehistoric one, people didn't really, well, Bob. speech wasn't really oh. a thing. Oh. So it would be, oh. <laughs> which is obviously the proto-Bob there. I, I would pay hard cash to watch a film about prehistoric Bob trying to have a conversation with a, with a <laughs> present-day Bob. Yeah, that would be good. Bob. Bob. And costumes, do you go like to angels, costumiers, or do we look in our dressing up? Boxes. Well, I, I mainly have uh, football shirts from the 1990s, so I don't know if that really well helps. Funnily enough, I think there could be a could be a version of Bob who is in a time when women's football wasn't really a thing. Oh, that's why she dresses up as a boy because she's always loved football and wanted to play football and had to pretend she was a man. That's good. There you go. There we go. It might need to be slightly older than the football shirts you have, Pete. But I don't know. I'm sure we can work something out. I think this has legs. I think it definitely has legs. And I would pay any amount of money to see any film featuring almost any character from Blackadder, but certainly with Bob. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, that's that's a great idea. Excellent. Well, I think what we're going to move on to now is a quick fire round, if that's all right, Gabrielle. So we, we each are going to have a just sort of a one line pitch. And we just like your gut reaction, a yes or a no or a maybe or an absolutely not or a definitely, of course. Okay. Gabrielle Glaister gets lost in the Arctic and discovers that Gloria Estefan is living there in blissful solitude. Yes. Whoa, great. A telephone connects pie maker Gabrielle Glaister to various characters from history. <sighs> Mixed feelings. No, I think I'll pass. Thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. Gabrielle Glaister is worried about Sputnik and makes her whole town wear tinfoil hats, but then an old flame arrives. Oh my goodness. Um, it would depend on who was the old flame, who the old flame was played by. John Hamm. Yeah, all right. Gabrielle Glaister plays Gordon Ramsay playing Ramesses II in Ramesses' Kitchen Nightmares. It's odd because that is very similar to something that I'd actually been kind of working up myself. So, <laughs> wow, yeah. that's amazing. Okay, well, maybe we'll have to, for copyright reasons, maybe we'll have to uh, not use that idea after all if it's already. <laughs> Lawyer Gabrielle Glaister trains a condor to do her paperwork. <laughs> You're very keen on. People training people, teaching people <laughs> things, and making people things. I love condors, though, so I would be interested. Chess, the movie. Yes. Great. Hasn't there been one already? Really? No, I mean chess as in the board game chess. Oh, not the musical. Not the musical. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, the board <laughs> game. <laughs> You see, there again, I think you're lacking characters and action and narrative. Well, you have the king and the queen and the pawns. Oh, oh, I see. Come to life. Mm. Not people just playing chess. <laughs> Not just some chess. Some chess, the movie. Anyway, you play all the characters. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I love working with other actors, bouncing things around, being part of a team, you know. If you could afford one other actor, would be really great. Someone to hang out with at tea break, all that kind of thing. 
Dolly Parton? Yeah. Gabrielle Glaister and Idris Elba refuse to leave the Wembley IKEA at closing time and settle in for the long haul. See, I know the Wembley IKEA. It's very hard to leave it even if you want to. It is. So I don't think they'd be alone because there's all those people who can't follow the cacking arrows and find their flaming way out. But, you know, I'd be stuck with Idris Elba anyway, anywhere, happily. It, okay. We could be in that kids section where you're sitting on the little tiny chairs and there's a little tiny slide. And eating meatballs just for every meal. I love their meatballs. I love their meatballs. I know that's beside the point, but I really do. And this could be a kind of a passion project for you. It could. And they've also, they've given out the recipe of how to make IKEA meatballs now. They've and, and given it to the general public. So even if the staff weren't in the canteen, I could whip some up for me and Idris. Rearranging things, rearranging the living room sets. I mean, you could live several different lives, couldn't you? Because there's, you know, there's this little pretendy flat and then there's the next pretendy flat. And you could have a different relationship with Idris in every one of those settings. How exactly. your settings affect wow. your character. I wow. love that. And, and but I love what you also said about how there would be other people there, because I think that over the course of the film, you would discover other people living yes, in different parts. Yes, you didn't know they the, were there at first. Yeah. This, the goer, this, this, this is your finest idea yet. This is the big one, isn't it? And actually, to be honest, it's kind of timely because it could be a lockdown idea. It's a lockdown. It's got everything. They refuse to leave Ikea and then there's the lockdown and then they're there for yeah. the next three months. Uh, and and then nobody declares... ever tells them that the pandemic is over. Exactly, Whoa. exactly. And they spend their lives just making, you know, someone declares themselves king of the armchairs and it's all very yeah. exciting. They make every single flat pack in that warehouse. And weep, and when, when, they're, and weep when they're finished. I think we have, we have come to a fantastic point to... Um, to to end and and to work up some mood boards and a bit more of a script and send it over to you and um yeah and, and any any um anything about you know pay what sort of money you think ah, would be good uh promotional consideration will be furnished by IKEA and yep. you will have as many billy bookcases as you can fit in your uh conservatory yeah, I think you might find my Billy bookcase days are over. I used to have about 43. They're all gone. I don't oh, want no. them back. I don't want graduated. I really did graduate from Billy bookcase. If there, was, if there was one item from Ikea that you would like to have many multiple, you know, many multiples of, what would it? I love their potato peelers. They're cheap. They're excellent. Hmm. So maybe we could pay you in potato peelers. Like 40,000 <laughs> 40, potato yeah, peelers? I throw them away all the time, but by accident. So yeah, potato peelers. Gabrielle, thanks for your time. Thank you. You've really helped us with our ideas. And I think we've 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 got a lot to work on. But as Pete says, we'll send you some yeah, some mood boards, we'll send you some illustrations yep. and uh maybe some sound files. And yeah. I think there's several of these we can take further. And um and maybe script. Ooh. Oh. Uh, okay, right, we'll have to get on that. Um, I think Gabrielle took some of our ideas to the next level there. I'm very excited about it. I'm only a bit disappointed I didn't have time to tell her about my cactus idea, but we'll save that for next time. Do you think she would be amenable to hearing exactly the same ideas on a second call, but with me wearing shoes next time? <laughs> Find Big Meeting on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and at bigmeeting.horse. 
Yeah, all the other URLs were taken. 